on the record on news talk Yes, you're very welcome back to On The Record. Kieran Cudahy with you until one o'clock. Abigail Malone, the Safety Aid spokesperson, was with us in studio a few minutes ago advocating for a no vote in next Friday's referendum to repeal or retain the Eighth Amendment to the Constitution. Grainne Gilmore from Lawyers for Yes is with me now in studio advocating for a yes vote. Grainne, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks for having me. Why vote yes? Well, what we've seen over the last uh, 35 years of um, extensive litigation since uh, the amendment was inserted into the Constitution in in, in 1983 is that it's a very blunt and it's a very dangerous legal provision uh, which has caused immense harm uh, to women. And our view is that it's simply too blunt a provision to deal with the nuances, the complexities and the realities of caring for women in pregnancy. And in 1983, many within the legal community uh, warned of the kind of cases that have actually come to pass. And they were told that they were scaremongering at the time. So we were warned that women would die. We've seen that with cases like Savita Halepanaver. We've seen it with cases like Michelle Hart. We were warned that rape victims would be prevented from travelling and we were told that this was scaremongering, but yet we saw it with cases like the X case, the C case, etc. Um, and what we are warning now in 2018 is that the situation is even graver than it was in 1983 in terms of the dangers which are posed by the Eighth Amendment to women's health. And that's particularly the case now because of the new emerging reality of abortion pills and the self-administration of abortion in Ireland. Thousands of women are now taking abortion pills within the jurisdiction each of them committing an indictable criminal offence carrying a penalty penalty of up to 14 years in prison. And this is creating a really serious public health issue because there is a crucial moment that comes when a woman takes those abortion pills if something goes wrong. These are very this is very safe medication according to the World Health Organization, but through our laws we're making it unsafe. Because if something goes wrong, and if a woman is, for instance, in her bedroom or her bathroom and she wonders if she's bleeding heavier than she should, there is a crucial moment when she needs to make a decision as to whether she goes to the doctor and seek care or whether she takes the risk. And in that moment, we have to consider whether the fear of prosecution could prevent her from, from taking, yeah, no taking the care. Well, I'm really glad you mentioned that because this is consistently mentioned by the no side. Now, last week, um, we had a, a press conference, a joint statement that was issued by two attorneys general and um, the uh, a former Supreme Court a judge tackling some of the myths of the no campaign. And at that press conference, um, Michael McDool, who, is a, who, is, who um, is a former Attorney General, he pointed out that the risk of prosecution is not theoretical. He pointed out that in the North, women are being prosecuted. He pointed out that a woman was prosecuted in the North, received a suspended sentence in the North, and the pro-life movement in the North, Precious Life, complained that the sentence was too lenient, even though she got a criminal uh, conviction. And in the South, um, this is something that is on the statute books. I mean, it is there. It is an indictable criminal offence, carrying a penalty of up to 14 years in prison. And when a member of the Arachthus, uh, Breed Smith, tried to put a bill through the Doyle where she where she proposed that the uh, um, criminal uh, offence should be reduced... Mm. 
What we were told is that the legal advice to the government at the time was that criminalisation is effectively a constitutional imperative of the Eighth Amendment. And not only does there have to be criminalisation, that, that it has that to be... That you can't reduce the penalty to a one euro fine. This was the example given, like a one euro fine. Uh, yes. uh, the possibility of one euro fine is not going to stop anyone seeking medical treatment. Yes. So, but, but, well, but the argument would a conviction would. I mean, a cri- criminal conviction would, and you see. But what about the argument that doctors are breaching medical council guidelines? That no doctor would actually, uh, you know, report someone for coming to their their surgery because medical council guidelines uh, w- would prevent them doing so. In the same way that if yeah. I overdose on heroin, I can go down to my GP. My G- I'm not going to kind of wake up and my GP says, "Oh, look, by the way, I rang the guards." Well, if you overdose on heroin, you're not committing the same kind of criminal offence that you would be committing with taking the abortion pill. I I must say just to be responsible about this, I don't want to alarm people who are taking the abortion pills. There's five women every day taking the abortion pills and I would say to anybody taking these pills, if something goes wrong, do seek medical, medical help. What I'm trying to communicate is my concern and the concern shared by many in the legal community as to what is happening because of the lawless and unsupervised space that has been uh, created by this. And each of these people, as I said, is committing a really grave, serious offence. And, and I don't think that that reflects uh, where the Irish people are at. Even people who are really struggling with this issue. I know that there are a lot of people who are still undecided or who are, you know, in, in a space where they're just not sure how they mm-hmm. want to vote. But I simply don't think that this reflects where they are at. And what we have been told is that this is a constitutional imperative of the Eighth Amendment and it is caused by the Eighth Amendment. We need to repeal, we need to vote yes to provide uh, regulation and legal supervision of this area and to stop criminalising women for dealing with something in a crisis. You mentioned an event you had during the week with Michael McDougall and some former other uh, attorneys general uh, and uh, judges uh, from the Superior Courts at it. Um, Irla O'Neill, another former judge, is on the other side of the debate and uh, he's been out, he has a piece in, in the Sunday Times today on page 9 of the Sunday Times uh, wherein I suppose he makes the argument and perhaps he doesn't get into it in the same detail in this piece but he has previously that what you're asking is the government to strip a right from the constitution and if it was any other right there, there's no way we'd be having this debate and I think the example he gave previously um, or perhaps it was someone else on the I suppose the lawyers for lawyers for no or lawyers for life side was that you know, if it was the constitutional right to property or something like that, you wouldn't say, we're, we're going to get rid of it, but let's trust the politicians. They, they'll legislate for it. Mm. And he's saying, like, this is essentially lunacy to, to be stripping a right from the constitution in this case, in, in, in this manner. Yeah, so that's definitely something I want to address, which is this um, argument from the no side that somehow we are stripping away the protection of, of, of fetal life, which we are which we are not proposing at any stage. Before I even deal with that, I just want to make fully clear um, that it is not the case that the legal community and the medical community are, in, are split down the middle on this. In terms of the numbers of lawyers who have publicly stated where they are on this issue, the vast, vast majority are, um, are, are, are advocating a yes vote. We have now have 1,100 lawyers who have um, stated publicly that they are supporting a yes vote. In addition to that, in the, legal, in the medical community, we have 1,500 um, doctors who are saying that. So I, I appreciate that there are doctors and lawyers um, 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 on, on the no side as well, and I'm sure you, you've dealt with that with, with your pro-life uh, spokesperson, but it is not the case that we are split down the middle on that. Um, in terms of the issue of the uh, rights or the protection of, of fetal life, 
this is really misleading claim by the no side because what we had in the recent um, Supreme Court judgment of MM is um, an explanation by the Supreme Court that subsequent to repeal of the Eighth Amendment or even in the absence of, of the Eighth Amendment, it is not, it's not the case that fetal life is, inv- is constitutionally invisible. And it is perfectly um, uh, possible under the Constitution to protect fetal life for the common good in the context um, of legislation. So it simply isn't the case that you're stripping away rights. And it's really important um, to, 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 to tackle that because what people need to understand is that, and I think in fairness both sides are agreed on this, is that mm-hmm. Ireland is a complete outlier in terms of constitutions of the world. This doesn't happen elsewhere. This is a completely bizarre and anomalous kind of um, constitutional provision that we have in Ireland where you vest personal rights in the unborn and that you essentially have this equalization of the rights of the of, of the right of the woman and the right of the of the unborn and i understand that people voted in 1983 perhaps not fully understanding what the consequences of that were i think after 35 years i think after the tragedies we've seen the stories we've heard uh, we now know that this was a legal experiment that didn't work and that we need to rebalance um, um that, 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 that those rights and those protections the no side point towards the situation in the uk uh, the, the so- a liberal UK abortion laws and they say well look actually on paper if you sit down and read the Abortion Act of 1967 it's actually it's you know it's quite restrictive and it's you know abortion on there has to be I suppose a justification we'll put it that way it's not on demand that if the the mother's uh, health including mental health um, is is under threat that there can be an abortion and there's talk of I think two registered medical practitioners must sign off and they say look all these talk about safeguards in Ireland you know you've got the same safeguards theoretically in the UK but in practice abortion uh, is available on demand is is it's a, is that not a legitimate argument then that essentially we're going to end up with the same it's situation not legitimate at all in fact i think it's outrageously misleading and i know people don't want to be bogged down with law the way lawyers are but i would encourage anybody our listeners love it <laughs> I would encourage anybody to um, dig out the 1967 um, Abortion Act from the UK and to compare it with the general scheme uh, that the no side are very misleadingly saying is is comparable to the UK law. It isn't comparable. The threshold in the UK um, in terms of the risk to health Mm. is very low. They're right about that. It is very, very low. Um, Basically, um, you can... And what about the idea that the threshold here is just vague? We don't know really yet. No, it's not. Well... Let's just compare the two thresholds because I think this is something, a myth that needs to be busted. Um, The threshold in the UK in terms of risk risk to health is simply that the risk to health of continuation of the pregnancy needs to be higher than the risk to health of of, of an abortion. So basically, statistically, that's always the case. And so for that reason ordinary um, health risks arising from pregnancy are enough to essentially access abortion in the UK and that's why essentially it leads to this kind of liberal uh, regime. In Ireland under the um, well under the proposed general scheme um, in the second trimester the only circumstances in which um, an, an, a, a termination of pregnancy can arise is in the context of risk to life risk of serious harm to health. So that's really important that it's serious harm to health 
or uh, in the cases of a fatal fetal diagnosis. Now, what do we mean by, for instance, serious harm Mm. to health? Because this is what the no side seem to keep saying is is vague and is going to lead to to, to liberal abortion. Well, what we've heard from the doctors, what we've heard from obstetricians like Peter Boylan from Mary Higgins is that the kind of um, um, health situation that we're talking about there is, for instance... Um, the prospect of going blind in the context of diabetes, the prospect of depleted lung function in the context of of cystic fibrosis, etc. And I think that this question needs to be turned around on the no side. And they need to be asked, well, what is the point of degradation of a woman's health? How severe uh, does the degradation of a woman's health have to get where you think it would be possible to have a termination of pregnancy. Is it only death? Is that the only threshold that you will accept? Now, I believe that that is the case, that that is how extreme they are. And I think that people on the doors, when they are peddling this on the doors, people need to ask them that question. And I think interviewers and broadcasters need to ask them that question. Where are you on this? Uh, in terms of what you think uh, the serious harm to health uh, should should be. Grainne Gilmore from Lawyers for Yes. Grainne, thanks Many very much for coming in this morning. Many thanks. Back in a moment. On the record. On, the record. On news talk.